This is Pastor Angela, and I just wanted to drop in and welcome you to Relate's podcast. I know that you're going to be filled with faith and encouraged for your week. We love you, and we're praying for you. All right. Good morning, everybody. <laughs> you guys look good. Uh, I, I want to talk to everybody online and say welcome, but it looks like we're going to have to check out with our team because... I think it's not working correctly. Either way, we're working correctly or not. Welcome everybody who's in the room and online. Can we give a great big welcome to everybody online just by showing them that we appreciate them and even though they're not in the room, we still love them. Last week, I turned the camera around and let everyone see what it looked like in the room. I wish I could do that today, but it's not going to happen. So you're just going to have to trust me. This is a much bigger room than we're used to, and we're going to try to stay right here until we need to go back to a second service. How many of you guys are used to going to the first service? Let me hear your first service in the room. All right, how about my second service people in the room? Where y'all at? Uh Uh-oh, a lot more second service people. So as soon as more people come back, we will split into a second. Back to two services. That helps with so many things. It helps people who want to come early or come a little bit later, sleep in a little bit. Or go have breakfast. And um, for those of you who want to serve, some people, it helps the dream team because now then we'll have two teams rotating uh, from week to week. And uh, by the way, can we just give it up and a big round of applause for our dream team? They, you guys are so, so, so awesome. Uh, you think I'm just saying that, but I'm not. Most of them were putting in double work when we were at the gym, putting in overtime, putting in Uh, It was taking us about two or two and a half hours to set up. It never takes us that long here. And uh, so the dream team is relieved and wiping the the sweat off their brow now that we're back here and uh, ready to get some relaxation and just really, I'm thrilled to just be in a place where it feels like, man, the presence of God is here. The worship feels different here. But even in our house, when we're together and we're worshiping, and we're lifting up God's name. Something happens that it just doesn't happen when I'm alone. So I thank you guys for that. I thank the worship team. You guys are getting better and better. The production team. I wish I could go all the way around the room. And for those who are wondering, we will, as maybe in November, our goal is, is starting in November. If everything continues to go according to plan, looking back at April uh, I, it, it, it's funny to imagine that our thoughts, well, okay, we'll just phase back into church and then we'll just have a couple phases and we'll bring everybody back. <laughs> That's not how things worked out. We went through April, May, June, July, August, and now we're here and we're still thinking that at some point we're going to open back up the kids back and open back up the, uh, the nursery room. And, uh, likely that will be in November when we kick off at the movies for those of you who are uh, fans of at the movies, we always have people. We I think we have people who come to church just for at the movies, and then they don't ever come back. They just come for that series. So we're thrilled still to have you guys and have them in. But I I can't tell you what it means to be standing on this stage and seeing some new faces back. Uh, if you see somebody that you haven't seen in a while, don't give them a hug. Just give them <laughs> give them a, a, a air high five or. My favorite is the finger guns. Just let them know that you're happy they're here and that you're, uh, it, it's, it's, it's just a real blessing. So, all right, I want to jump into the series 
that we're starting today for four weeks. We're talking about the politics of Jesus. And I think there's some people who stayed home or aren't watching because they're tired of politics. The good news is whether you like politics or hate politics, this is the series for you because it tells us exactly where we should be. How many of you guys know that there's an election coming up in about 38 days? Maybe you haven't heard. If you haven't, I don't know where you've been. Uh, there is a big election about to happen. And I think that a part of this series, a part of, a part of what I want to talk to is that what dominates the headlines shouldn't, should not be what dominates our heart. The things that we see on the news channel, the things that are going across our screen that are really designed to create fear and designed to create uh, watchers, right? <laughs> they want to create a story that you'll tune into. But those should not be the things that dominate our hearts. God should dominate our hearts and trusting in him should be the thing. So some people are excited about the election. Some people are nervous. Some people are scared. And uh, I think everyone at this point is entertained by at least some element of the election, but for the most part, it's, there's a lot of anxiety that's built up in it. And, and so I hope to challenge that a little bit today that you're not first and foremost an American. If you're a part of the body of Christ, if you have taken on the role of a Christian and invited Jesus into your life to be your Lord and to, your, to be your Savior, my, my hope is for every person to say that, to, to, to make that commitment and live that life. But when we do that, we take ourselves from just being a member of this world or a certain nationality or a certain ethnic background or a certain community even, we take ourselves, God opens up a door for us to be a part of a bigger family, a bigger nation. And so today, I want to talk about that nation. In God's eyes, America is not the promised land. America, while we may be strong and maybe be powerful and full of blessings, I believe that God has chosen America to do specific things. But we're not just God's favorite nation. Sometimes we, we think about ourselves as, well, God will, God will do for America what he wouldn't do for anybody else. We are not just America's, Americans. As followers of Jesus, we're not here to just defend our freedom of speech and our freedoms that are protected by the Constitution. We're, we're here to help people find Christ. In fact, we've been given a mission. And so this message, if you don't get anything else, I hope you get this, that we are ambassadors from heaven. That you and I aren't just representatives of the United States of America or Texas or whatever family you come from, but we are ambassadors. We're representatives of the kingdom of heaven. So let's look at 2 Corinthians 5, 17. And God has committed to us the message of reconciliation. Would you read that out loud with me? Just from the very beginning there, that God has committed to us the message of reconciliation. Wow. That's, that's our job. To spread and carry and to deliver the message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors. Would you just say that out loud? I'm Christ's ambassador. As though we were making his appeal, he were making his appeal through us. That's like whenever I tell my kids, hey, 
Grace, go tell Jake something. She is my ambassador. She's carrying my message. And that's what we do for God. God sent us to take his message to the rest of the world. And a lot of us are sitting back saying, no, I'm American. I got the message of freedom. And we've, we've laid down the greatest message that could ever be told. What is an ambassador? Today, an ambassador for the United States, that's the highest ranking diplomat that's sent as a representative from one nation to another. And so if we think in, if you can think in your mind and picture heaven as a nation and God as its king, not only is he the king of everything, but he has sent us as ambassadors from that nation of heaven into the world to represent heaven. We are sent as ambassadors to this earth to represent heaven. So I'm going to give you three points this morning. So what does it mean if you're an ambassador? If I'm an ambassador, if, if the real politics of heaven rests in our hands, what are our responsibilities to not just vote a certain way, not to just show up at a polling place or a, or, or, or a voting booth or get out the vote? Or, or what is your job as an ambassador of heaven? Number one, you were elected by people you are not elected by people, but chosen and appointed by God. That's the first thing you have to understand. That no one, no, no one got together and said, you know what? I think Jason would be the best person to sing on stage. <laughs> I think uh, Pastor Susan would be the best person to step up and do announcements and lead students and lead women and do, and do, do all the programs that she does. So many of you. No one, no one got together and voted and said, I think this person should lead in their life. John 15, 6 says, you did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you so that you might go and bear fruit, fruit that will last. That's you. That's me. That's what Jesus said we were supposed to do. That's what he said is our job. So you have to recognize if you walk out of here today and think, oh, he's preached on something about politics and Jesus and the election and said something about Donald Trump and Joe Biden, you missed it. This is the point right here that God chose you. He picked you. That's hard to imagine. That's, we think about all the people who have ever lived, all the people who currently live, and imagine that God would pick me out of all of that. He didn't pick you so that you can go on your social media and rant and get up on your soapbox and put people down and tell them how wrong they are. Some of you thought that was your job. <laughs> you might be on Facebook doing that right now. <laughs> Sometimes I think there's people in the room uh, sending messages to our Facebook telling me about what I'm preaching and how it's wrong or right. Giving me, giving me feedback. That's, that's all good too. But that's not our job. That's not the job that God chose us for. I can tell you at 16 years old, I, I didn't know what I wanted to do with the rest of my life, but I knew that I knew that I knew I wanted to follow God. I count myself blessed and lucky that I knew at 16 years old that I wanted to serve God. There are so many people who have come to me and told me, Pastor, I'm 40 years old, and I, I cannot believe I've wasted the last 20 years of my life. If only I'd known at 20 or 15 
what I know now. When you finally get it, when the, when, the, when the gears finally click into place and you realize, I was made for something. God created me for something. And you go on that spiritual journey to not just discover what it is, but to start enacting it. Your life is meant for something. We're meant to be in this world, but not of this world. You probably all have heard that term before. But what happens when you put oil into water, when you try to mix them? They don't mix. They separate. That's how we should be. We should be like oil going into water and in it, but not mixed with it. We should, stay, we should be able to stay separated and not when something comes up on politics, when something comes up on the news, whether you're watching Fox News or CNN or any of the others, that we get so caught up in it that we just get mixed up and no longer are we oil and water separated. But now we're all mixed up in it and our opinions are, our opinions are torn back and forth and we lose sight of the mission. And it's almost like God sent ambassadors to this earth, to this land, to send, to bring his message, and we get caught up in the local politics. That's a little bit scary. Imagine this. Imagine the U.S. ambassador to any place. What if, what if the president came up and said, Lola, I want you to be the U.S. ambassador to South Sudan, someplace that probably no one wants to live. None of us would choose to move to there or maybe Iran or somewhere, somewhere where it would be a, a really harsh contrast to try and live there as opposed to here. And what if the president said, look, here, here's what I want you to do, Lola. I want you to go there to South Sudan. And I want you to tell anyone who will listen. Not only can they move to America for free, but you have a whole future prepared for them. They can have a house and a job and a, they, can, they, they can have a whole new life. If that was your job, what if you get all your stuff packed, you travel to South Sudan, you get there, and then you start looking around and realizing, oh man, it's really bad here. I got to do something about this. And, we, and, and you get so focused on, we have to elect the right person, and we got to get the right person into local government, and I got to work on getting my neighborhood cleaned up. Now, hold, wait, hold on. You, you had a job coming there. The job was never to fix that place. The job is never, was never, the, the, the world that we live in, guys, is broken. We're never going to get it all fixed. What we can do is bring Jesus into the situation so that there can be a remnant of people. Hopefully, we could save everybody. If we could get every single person to, to give their life to Christ, then when this world does die... Because you know what happens? No matter how good or bad things get politically over the next few years... We, we wonder, well, what happens if things just keep getting darker? I got news for you. I've read the end of this book. It gets darker. It's going to get a lot, lot, lot darker. The key is that in the time that we have, in the time that you and I have, maybe we have 60, 70, 80 years, whatever our lifetime is. That's our timeline. And we are ambassadors to this earth. And we are, we are not supposed to get so caught up in the local politics. Local politics, they do matter, right? We, I'm not saying I don't vote. I told you I was uh, patriotic and I, I have thoughts about politics, but which I'm not going to share with you right this second. We all have beliefs and hopes and dreams. 
And we all, hopefully, every one of you will stand up on November 3rd and you'll drive down to your polling, voting, voting booth and you'll cast your vote. But the real thing that matters, the thing that matters more than anything else is that you make your life matter. And that as a, an ambassador of heaven, that you can share that message that God has a plan for every life who will listen and accept the free gift. We cannot get so that would be like if Jesus gathered up the disciples and said, look, guys, it's going to get really bad. It's I've got to go to a cross. I'm going to die. It's going to get really dark. In fact, Peter said, no, you are not. I will not. You, I will die before I let that happen. Jesus said, uh, hold on. That's actually the plan, though. That's got to happen. It's going to get darker, but you have a job in the middle of it. What if the disciples had, what if Jesus had disappeared and all the 12 disciples got together and decided, hey guys, I know Jesus had a plan, but we could fix all this if we could get Herod out of, uh, out of office. If we could overthrow the Roman Empire, we could fix all of this. If that had happened, none of us would be sitting here today talking about the real message of the gospel of Jesus Christ. We can't get lost in the temporary emotion or the temporary satisfaction of a local battle or a local feeling trying to fix this city or this state or this country because the only fix is Jesus Christ. Number two, you're not a regular person. Would you just look at your neighbor and tell him you are not a regular person? Somebody... <laughs> Some of you guys already knew. I, I'm not regular. I knew that. You are not a regular person. You are a royal priest of God. And most of us, when we think of the word priest, we think of a Catholic priest with a collar. That's not what I'm talking about. Of course, that's, that is a type of priest. But what God says when he makes us priests, he says, you are my representative. You are, you are something special. Go, the verse goes on, but you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness and into his wonderful light. You know what that means? That means that he has, he has taken you, selected you. He chose you. He picked you. And he labeled you. He made you his very chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation. In 1517, Martin Luther, maybe you've heard the story of uh, the Reformation where he went to the, the chapel on that, that morning and nailed the decree to the door. And with his hammer, he nailed a list of demands for the, for the, for the Catholic Church and said, we will not continue to do things the way that you're doing them. And that, that was known from that point on the knock as he hammered that nail into the door the knock heard round the world. And in that declaration, he talked about the priesthood of all believers. The idea that we are all, all believers, men and women, that as children of God, families and, and, and outside of just the, the clergy of the church, you need to know this, that I'm not, I'm not any more special than you are. Sometimes people come and say, Pastor Sean, I'm really struggling. I need you to pray. for we, we, we just need you to pray. 
Listen, I will pray for you and we'll agree together, but my prayer is not stronger than your prayer. We, need, we can pray together. We can have faith. There are those among us, we have the gift of faith or we have a greater measure of faith, but we can all cry out to God. We are all members of the same priesthood. We serve side by side. But until you recognize who you are in Christ, it's like God picked you and you're still sitting on the bench saying, well, if I could just find somebody who's, who's picked by God, you're that one. You're called to be a spiritual influencer. And as much as that word influencer has been twisted around and most of us are saying, I don't want anything to do with that. You're called to be a spiritual influencer. I heard the story of a man named Peter Cartwright. He was a traveling preacher, Methodist circuit riding preacher in the early 1900s, 19th century, 1800s. And he, would, he traveled and preached and rooms and Cathedrals would fill all across the country. And he was getting ready to preach to a large room. And they told him right before he was going out to preach that President Andrew Jackson will be here today. So be careful what you say. And he said, thank you for telling me that. He walked right out, right out onto the stage and up to the podium. And he said, I've been told that President Andrew Jackson is in the congregation. He said, and I've, I've been asked to carefully guard what I'm going to say. And he said, I want to begin by saying that Andrew Jackson will go to hell if he doesn't repent of his sin. <laughs> it takes someone who believes that they're called by God, not called by any man, not a president, not anyone at the top of any legislative branch that they have been chosen by God. And so after the service... President Andrew Jackson walks right up to Peter Cartwright and he said, if I had a regiment of men like you, I could whip the whole world. It's time that you and I stand up and recognize that we've been called by God, not by any man. You haven't been called by me. You don't have to wait for me to say, hey, you know what? I think you got something special because I'm telling you right now that God chose all of us. And if you're that one that is either sitting in this room or watching online thinking, well, I'm not even supposed to be here. You're not talking to me. God brought you here for a reason. And if it's not here in this place, li listen, I'll just acknowledge one thing. that I, I believe that the local church is a part of God's plan. We are the body of Christ. I believe that you should be connected to a local church. I hope that it would be relate. But if it's not, go find a good one because there's a lot of great ones. You got to be plugged in somewhere where you can put your shoulder to the wheel so that we can make a difference in the world. And our difference is not going to be because we all get fired up and go elect someone for president. It's going to be because we change the world one heart, one mind at a time by telling people, by being the ambassadors that we're supposed to be, that I've got a message that will change your life. I don't, I'm not here to tell you about how your taxes are, should be better or your investments in the economy or the global markets or who you elect locally. I'm not here to tell you that at all. I'm here to tell you that there is a Savior. There is a God that paid a price for your soul that will affect how your eternal spirit spends the rest of its life. 
So we can pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America, but our real deep down in our hearts allegiant, allegiance has to go beyond that flag and beyond this country and to a higher calling because he, cho he chose us to be a holy nation, a royal priesthood. So we have a responsibility to a higher calling. Number three, and my final point, and then we'll close, is this. You never, ever, ever, say I never, never. represent myself. You never represent yourself. You always represent Christ. Why did he say he would give us a new heart? Why did he give us this offer of new life, of, of breathing new breath and new life into us? He said, I'll give you a new heart. I'll, I'll give you the mind of Christ because we have to become more like Christ because we are, this will be a hope, I hope that your eyes are open to see that you are the body of Christ. He chose us to be his body. And when we step into that action, doesn't mean, when we step into that position, it doesn't mean that I'm perfect. It doesn't mean that I'm better than anyone. It doesn't mean that he cares about me or loves me any more than anybody else. What it does mean is that I have a job to do. And the job that we hope that Christ would do all over the world is the job he's given to us. We keep reading. Be careful to live properly among your unbelieving neighbors. What does it mean to be a representative? How am I not representing myself? I have my own name. I have my own home. He said, how you live matters. And if you're thinking already, well, Pastor Sean, I'm going to mess up because I've messed up so much. We all mess up. The, the, the question is not whether we don't mess up. It's how we mess up. It's if I, if I mess up and cover it up, and pretend like I'm, I never mess up, anyone who knows me can look at me and say, that dude is, pfft. what a hypocrite. And then I'm just like everybody else on the planet. What makes me different as a Christian, as a holy nation, a royal priesthood, is that even when I mess up, I can say, hey, I'm, I'm not perfect, but God has blessed me and God has given me righteousness. And I'm, I promise you guys, you look at me like I'm uh, up on a soapbox or up on the stage. Here I am on the stage, but I'm not perfect. I'm the first one to tell you that I will mess up and I, will, I, will, I can trip up just like anybody else. But we have to set a higher standard. He says, then even if they accuse you of doing wrong, watch this. Here's the difference. They will see your honorable behavior. Uh-oh. That means I can mess up, but I, ha I have to be honorable. That means if I, if, if I make a mistake, I can go and tell somebody, hey, I messed up, but I'm, I want to make this right. Not say, oh, I never mess up. That wouldn't be godly. How many of you have had someone tell you, I thought you were a Christian? We're so afraid of misrepresenting Christ that we can't even try to represent Christ. We're going to mess up, but we have to be honorable. I want to show you four quick rules. Uh, Pastor Billy Graham, Billy Graham, the great evangelist. He actually, this is, they actually called them the Billy Graham rule. He, they, they created four rules to live by for evangelists and pastors and Christians that would help us to, to remain honorable. 
In fact, he and his team decided one day in a hotel room in Modesto, California, he said, I want you guys to all go to your hotel rooms and I want you to write down a list of the things that mess up Christians. Write down a list of all the things that pastors have messed up with. And they came back together, they compiled that list and they squished it into four things. That They said, these are the four rules we're going to live by so that we don't mess up like that. They said that here's the line that we can't cross to sin, but what are the things that get pastors and ministers and Christians, what are the things that get them to that line and get them over the line? Let's draw another line way back here. And hey, we'll just, we'll make sure we never cross this line so we never get close to that line. Number one was that they were going to downplay the offering. And they were going to depend on money raised before they ever came into a city so they didn't have to spend the whole service taking up an offering so they could continue to pay for the work. What a mindset. I don't have to take a huge offering today. We're going to live within our budget. And we'll, we'll, I tell you this all the time, but you say, Pastor Sean, when are we going to get a building? When are we going to go uh, do another outreach? When are we going to help more people? I tell you all the time, we're going to go and grow as fast as you give and serve. And we're not going to do it any faster than that. And I'm happy to, we're doing, we are already growing and going at an amazing rate. But I'm never going to say, hey, I'm just going to go borrow $10 million and put us in a building. Because then I'll have to step up on stage and say, well, guys, we're in trouble. I'm never going to do that. So the money is not the most important thing. Number two, they decided we're not going to travel, meet, or eat, with, uh, eat alone with a woman other than my wife. That works both ways for gender, right? If you're, if you're a female working, you don't go sit and travel and eat alone with another man other than your husband. And we, we could say, well, that, well that, that's no big deal. That's just dinner. That's just traveling or work or business. And you know what? Because of all the Me Too movement, because of all of the accusations that are being thrown around, there are so many business people adopting this principle. People saying, you know what? I just want to protect, protect my reputation. I want to protect women around me. I want to protect the men around me. I'm not going to be alone with anybody. I ask our dream team and our staff and all of our leaders, don't ever be alone with a person of the other, the opposite sex. Just don't need to do it. I tell my kids, don't be alone with somebody else, ever. That protects, that protects you, protects them, protects everybody. Number three, that they decided to cooperate with all who would cooperate with them in the public proclamation of the gospel, meaning they're not going to fight with other churches because they believe a little bit differently or because they like to have a steeple on top of the church or not or because they like to have a piano or an organ or no music at all or they like to worship a certain way. They decided we're going to work with anyone who will work with us and we're not going to criticize the way other people do church. Amen. What a good rule. We're all here for the same for the same mission as ambassadors. And number four, they said we, they committed themselves to integrity in our publicity and reporting, meaning that we're not going to tell people that 10,000 people came to service if only two came. And we're not going to tell them that we raised a million dollars if we only raised $50. Jesus said that they will know you are my disciples if you love. If, like if we live the way he asked us to live, then we represent him the way he wants to be represented. So people can be saved. The, the scripture said, be careful to live properly among your unbelieving neighbors, like people who don't believe. And then if they accuse you of, even if they accuse you of doing wrong, they will see your honorable behavior and they will give honor to God. 
because of the way we act and because of our honor to God and to people. And we're not going to try to undercut or lie or steal from anyone. That means even if it costs me. He didn't say people will know you as Christians by the way you vote. Uh-oh. The people will know you by your Team Jesus t-shirt. I like those Team Jesus t-shirts. Or people will know you by your social media post where you're sitting there with your Bible and your coffee and it's, it's perfect. That's, that, that's not what makes us Christians. It's not that they will know us by the political rant we put on the internet and tell people, well, if you don't vote for so-and-so, you're not going to heaven. That's insanity because we have another mission that so often gets thrown away so quickly i'm going to wrap this up next week we're going to talk about how can we live under god if if we live under god which was actually not a part of the original pledge of allegiance how can we live under god when we live in a culture that's increasingly hostile towards god week three indivisible how can we stand united spiritually even though we're divided politically. I'm telling you right now, there are people in this room that don't agree with you politically. And that's okay. Because we have one mission. And that's to follow Jesus Christ. And week four, how do we continue to love with grace and never compromise truth? With liberty and justice. That means we have to have truth and grace. So, Pastor Sean, aren't you worried about the election? Aren't you worried about who's going to win? Aren't you, aren't you worried about if so-and-so wins or if so-and-so wins? I do care, but I'm not worried. I've had people tell me, well, Pastor Sean, if so-and-so wins, then we're not going to have the religious freedom to have church the way we need to. You know, the, God's been working in the world and touching lives and changing people since before there was a United States. Again, what happens if things get darker? What happens if, if we lose rights as Christians? What happens if we're persecuted? Let me say this, and I'm just going to stay here for one moment. We can say that we've been persecuted, but most of us don't have a clue what persecuted means. In fact, I would be willing to say that if the church, the, I said this before we even started in worship, that when things get rough, when things get dark, when darkness abounds, even the scripture says, when darkness abounds, how much more will grace abound? If things get worse than they are right now, if we, get, if we become persecuted, we only get stronger. The church of God, the body of Christ traditionally thrives under persecution because there comes a time when things are so bad that nothing else works except for God. Your party doesn't have to be in charge for God's will to be done because God was on the throne long before you were born before certain parties were started and the United States became a nation. I do believe that God loves America. I believe that God has blessed America. And I'll continue to wave a flag 
of the United States of America and the Texas flag and I'll stand for both of those things. But more than anything, we have to stand as ambassadors of Jesus Christ in one nation and that's the nation of heaven. As the world goes darker, the light shines brighter. As things get darker, and it will get darker, whether it's in the next four years or the next eight years, 12, 10, 100 years, whatever that looks like, things are going to get worse, but the light will shine ever, ever, ever brighter. And we have to worship a different king. I want to pray for you right now, and let's just commit ourselves to following that one nation of heaven, to serving the one king And no matter how dark this world gets, no matter what happens in politics, no matter what happens in this nation, that God, the Bible says that God raises up kings and kingdoms. No matter what happens, we will always pray for our leaders, whatever side they're on, that God would bless them and give them wisdom. But we serve a different king. Let me pray for you, dear, dear Lord. I pray for every person right now in this room, every person online who's struggling with the thoughts of uh, politics and who's in charge and who's in control. God, we honor you today. We put our trust in you that no matter what happens on November 3rd, no matter what happens in our local city governments, God, that you are almighty. You are a sovereign God. And we will serve you. We will follow you. And we will carry the light of Christ into every dark place, to every heart who has never heard, to every family, to every person who's struggling, will be an ambassador to them that carries the message of life. In Jesus' name, we love you, God. We commit ourselves to it. Thank you, Jesus. The Spirit of God is in this room. The Spirit of God is in our hearts today. I want you to know that God has a purpose for you and God has a plan for you and he's drawing you into, I believe that God draws all of us. The Bible says that the Holy Spirit draws us. It's like he leads us and says, hey, come this way. Some of you in the room today, you've never acknowledged that you're a part of that heavenly kingdom. You've never acknowledged him as your king. You've never said, I want to trade my old life of sin and brokenness. I want, to, I want to give that life to you, God. And he gives us back a brand new one. If that's you today and you feel God's just pulling on your heart, it's almost like in Revelation it says, behold, I stand at the door and knock, whoever answers the door. Today, would you answer that door and let him come into your life? He wants to be the Lord and Savior of your life but you have to be willing to invite him and say yes to him. So would you just bow your head right where you are right now and those watching online, would you just close your eyes and, and pray this prayer with me? If that's you with nobody looking around, you're saying, I want to say yes to Jesus today and I want him to be my king. If that's you with no one looking around, would you just raise up your hand right now and say, Pastor Sean, include me in that prayer. Thank you. Awesome. Anybody else? Let's pray that prayer together. Would you repeat these words after me? Dear Heavenly Father, today I surrender my life to you. Today I invite you into my life to be my king.
to be my Savior, to be my Lord, would you save me, fill me, forgive me of my sin, and make me new? In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Let's give a hand clap to everybody who said that prayer for the first time. Thank you for tuning into our podcast this week. We would love to meet you sometime. You can get all the details at www.relatecommunity.com. Pastor Sean and I are praying for you and we're speaking life over you and we know that your best days are ahead. See you soon.